You have entered a place with a long-standing history of evil, pain, and terror. And Poker Night is Friday, Temple of Shadows, Fable 2. Uh, welcome to Navi Tales. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh. I'm Nick. And today we are covering Fable and Fable 2, because, eh. Because we said so. Yeah, because this is our podcast. If I want to cover two fucking games in an episode, I will. Um, you ever play this franchise? Uh, I have not. Isn't it Microsoft only? Isn't it on on those on those Xboxes? Yeah, it's Microsoft exclusive. Um, that is why it's on Steam as well. Uh, but the first two and half of three is good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three gets really boring about halfway through. But I I really like these games. Fable Two specifically, I put so much time into it's uh really good american rpgs very customizable characters uh there's like weird things in it that matter a lot like if you die too many times you end up with scars and stuff oh, that's uh, dope. yeah so like the the character i remember having in fable 2 had like a big scar on his face from getting attacked by a werewolf like thing and um I also had him being evil, and the more good you are, the more angelic you look, and the more evil you are, the more devilish you look, to yeah. the point where if you are incredibly evil, you look like the devil, oh, with shit. like gray skin and horns and bugs flying around you. By extension, the opposite. You get like angel wings yeah. and a halo if you're yeah. good. It's really cool um, and a lot of fun. I, I Writing this episode, I went, man... I really want to play Fable 2. Uh, and I the the other thing about Fable 2 that I have good memories of is uh, I had the Master Chief armor. And the Master Chief armor and the gun I had in Fable 2 was the assault rifle from Halo 2. Because yeah. you could get that in this yeah. fantasy game. <laughs> but, like, it was lore-friendly. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, but let's begin with Halo. Uh, Halo. Yeah. Let's begin with Fable 1. The hero's journey begins on the day of his sister's birthday, a day that the young boy unwisely forgot again. The boy's father, Brom, comes to an agreement with the future hero, promising to give him a gold piece for each good deed that he performs around the village. After performing either a number of good or evil deeds, the child collects enough money to procure for his sister a box of chocolates. Unfortunately, before his sister's party can truly get underway, Oakvale is suddenly attacked by a massive horde of bandits, who seemingly slaughter everyone except for the boy. Right as he himself is about to be killed, an old hero, Maze, appears from nowhere to kill one of the bandits and saves the child, taking him into the Heroes Guild. Growing up into a young man after years of honing his skills, Maze informs the newly graduated hero of a blind Ceres living among a bandit camp near Oakvale. Uh, who supposedly had information about his sister's fate. Infiltrating the camp using a combination of strength and gill, uh, the hero learns to his great surprise that the blind Ceres is actually his older sister, taken in by Twinblade, a former hero and the present bandit king, after, sacking, after the sacking of Oakvale. After a showdown with Twinblade, the hero is given the choice of killing or sparing Twinblade, and uh, Teresa leaves... Uh, her life as a bandit behind. Later on in the hero's life, after he has gained more recognition among the people of Albion, he is invited to fight in the arena where he meets the legendary hero named Jack of Blades. 
After fighting in a series of arena battles, Jack of Blades issues a final challenge between the hero and his childhood rival and friend, Whisper. When the hero defeats her, he is given the choice kill her or to spare her life. Upon his victory, uh, the impressed Jack of Blades tells the hero that he knows his mother survived the Oakvale Massacre and was captured. Soon afterward, Teresa calls a meeting with her brother, telling him that she learned it was Jack of Blade himself who ordered the attack on Oakvale in an attempt to capture the family as their shared bloodline with the ancient Archons would allow Jack of Blades to finally recover and use the Sword of Aeons, the legendary blade used by William Black to destroy Jack millennia ago that was imbued with the power of all of Albion. Aided by his blind sister, the hero makes it his mission to defeat Jack of Blades one way or another, either through good or evil. The hero follows up on his sister's lead, attempting to rescue his mother from Bargate Prison, where Jack has kept her since the day of the Oakvale raid. However, the hero is captured and spends a year in the prison. When he finally escapes with his mother, the hero attempts to track down Jack. Maze, however, turns against the hero and kidnaps his sister, taking her to the town of Hook Coast in an attempt to retrieve the septimal key, which is needed in conjunction with a living member of the bloodline to activate the sword. After defeating Maze and freeing his sister, the hero desperately tries to stop Jack from activating the focus sites that power the septimal key to no avail. Led into a final confrontation with Jack at the Chamber of Fate within the Heroes Guild, the hero arrives too late to save his mother from being sacrificed to retrieve the sword, but nevertheless defeats Jack of Blades. After defeating him at last, the hero must choose whether to keep the power that Jack sought by killing his sister to keep the sword, or cast it away forever into a portal created by Jack of Blades' death. Depending on the hero's alignment and the player's choice of using or destroying the sword, there are a total of six different endings. Once the ending credits roll, and if you don't skip the scene, players can resume their games. So next we're going to dive into the Lost Chapters, which was uh, a edition of Fable 1 that was released after Fable that had extended content. So it's not like DLC, but it's like if Fable had a special edition. Yeah, that came with the DLC that never was a thing. Yeah, so like Fable and Fable the Lost Chapters is like Fable Plus. Yeah. In Fable the Lost Chapters, a year has passed since Jack of Blades was stopped, and the hero's life has become a peaceful one. This fragile peace, however, is shattered when the ancient hero Scythe reports that a terrible evil has arisen once again in the forgotten northern wastes. Summoning the ship of the Down from the Hook Coast Lifehouse, the hero joins Scythe in that frozen land. At a loss as to the nature of the evil, Scythe recommends that the hero journey into the abandoned town of Necropolis and retrieve a series of runes that will activate the all-knowing Oracle of Snowspire. Returning victorious, the two learn upon activation of the Oracle that the resurgent evil is none other than Jack of Blades. Knowing that Jack of Blades must be stopped, whether for good or for evil purposes, the hero joins fellow hero Briar Rose in an attempt to open the ancient gate of Archon's folly to reach Jack of Blades and initiate the final confrontation. Simultaneously trapping Jack of Blades and preventing the hero from destroying him forever, the heroes learn that the Ancient Gate can only be opened once the souls of three, er three heroes 
belonging to ancient archetypes have been gathered. From this point, the hero can decide whether to choose the good route of absorbing the souls of the already deceased, like those of his mother, the ancient hero and leader Nostro, and the souls of those who perished in the Witchwood area, or simply kill still living heroes like Briar Rose, Thunder, and the Guildmaster. Regardless of which souls the hero decides to collect, the ancient doors open, allowing the hero to finally end the threat of Jack of Blades once and for all. Once entering the fiery landscape, the hero discovers that Jack of Blades has transformed himself into a dragon in an attempt to defeat the hero. Even this, however, proves no match for the hero of Oakvale's skill as he finally destroys Albion's most ancient threat. However, the hero is faced with a final choice. Wear the infamous mask of Jack of Blades, thereby absorbing his power and keeping the villain alive, or casting it into the fiery pit to be rid of the villain forever. The hero's choice dictates his future forever and the future of Albion itself. Real quick, before we dive into this, you should see what Jack of Blades looks like, because he looks fucking dope. Um, I've always been a huge fan of uh, his design. Oh yeah, he's fucking dope. Yeah, he, I, it's like kinda edgelordy, but like... That's uh more official. Oh yeah, that's super edgelordy. Yeah, it's super edgelordy, but like works really well in Fable. Yeah, like he I dig he it. looks like the kind of person that would play a rogue in D anD D. Yeah, like, that's exactly what he looks like. Ex- yeah, he he'd play a rogue and then like play like a spell sword rogue because he needs to have magic too. Yeah, uh, it sounds like our rogue. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> really does. Um, now that we're past Fable one, let's dive into Fable two. Five centuries after the hero of Oakvale's final defeat of Jack of Blades, the fate of Albion would once again come to rest in the hands of an unlikely hero from the ancient bloodline, whose path to greatness began on the heels of tragedy. The hero starts as a poor orphan living with his or her older sister, Rose. Uh, The player can choose to be a boy or a girl. Going to see what all the noise is about that morning, they find a man named Murgo who is a trader selling magical items from his cart. Uh, most of which are frauds, as he sold a magic mirror which could, uh, which would make an, an owner appear beautiful in it, but it would only work in complete darkness. They are especially fascinated by a music box that, by turning the handle three times, will grant the user one wish. However, the hero's sister doesn't think it will work. An old woman appears and expresses her disappointment that the kids don't believe in magic. Uh, it is possible that Rose does believe, however, she would uh, rather spend the gold on food than magical obje- objects that mostly um, that most likely aren't even real. The woman encourages the two to earn five gold to buy the music box, as they will never know if it does grant wishes if they don't try. They spend the whole day earning the gold needed to buy the music box, and then Rose makes her wish to live in a castle at which point the box starts to play a tune from Fable, glow, and spin, all with increasing intensity until it disappears. Disappointed, they return to their makeshift shelter and find the dog they saved from a bully during their quest to earn five gold. Later that night, they find that some guards want to take them to Fairfax Castle, and they instantly agree. There they meet Lord Lucian in his study, who tells them that if they help him with something he can arrange for them to live in the castle. He tells them to stand on a platform on the floor bearing a strange symbol. And when they do, it shines and forms a blue barrier around them. Uh, This symbol is the crest of the Heroes Guild. 
After seeing this, Lucian states that they are heroes and tries to touch the barrier, which turns red. Surprised, he goes to the table and reads through one of his books. He states that they're heroes, but not any of the three he needs. Instead, one of them is the fourth. Stumped, Rose asks what's happening. Lucian gets a gun from one of his drawers and says, This isn't what I wanted, but nothing must stand in my way. He then shoots the hero's sister who falls to the ground motionless. Turning to the hero, he says, I can't allow you to live either. I'm sorry. And shoots the hero who falls out through the window of the tower. The hero survives the fall and is found by Teresa, the old blind woman that spoke to Rose near the trader's wagon and the dog. Now notice this takes place five centuries after Fable 1 and Teresa's still alive. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the story jumps forward to the hero who has been living with gypsies in their camp next to Bower Lake. Teresa gives the hero some items and a guild seal and sends them to the tomb in the middle of the lake. Once there, Teresa tells the hero through the guild uh, seal, which acts as a communicator, that the cave was once the hero's guild, where 500 years ago, heroes were trained to fight evil. She also says that the guild was destroyed a long time ago when the people of Albion revolted against the heroes as they had become self-serving and generally evil, being more like mercenaries than heroes. After gaining uh, their new abilities, the hero heads for Bowerstone, where Teresa informs them that Lucian is at the Tattered Spire and he plans to rebuild it. She tells the story of how it was built by the Old Kingdom as a hub for all, uh, for all the will. Uh, magical energy in Albion and how its immense power can grant the user wishes. She tells the hero that they need to recruit the heroes of skill, will, and strength if they want to defeat Lucian. Hearing this, the hero heads to Oakvale to find the hero of strength, a monk named Sister Hannah, who is a member of the Temple of Light like her father and thus a pacifist. The hero agrees to escort her through a cave so she can retrieve holy water needed to help plant a new golden oak. A magic acorn that only appears every 100 years or so is needed by Oakvale's people to maintain the fertility of the land, as before the first oak was planted, it was barren and dead. If it isn't replaced, the land will return to its original state. Going through the cave, Teresa states that she will need to find a reason for Hannah to fight. In the last chamber, a monk informs Hannah that a stranger is in the temple and he has a gun to her father's head. Enraged, Hannah takes a huge hammer off one of the statues and races for the temple. The hero arrives soon after only to see a strangely clothed man shoot at Abbott, uh, after which Hannah kills him with her hammer. The next day at the funeral, Teresa arrives and tells Hannah that Lord Lucian sent the man who killed her father, at which point Hannah agrees to help and tells everyone to call her Hammer. Teresa takes her to the guild cave to start looking for the next hero. Some people believe that Teresa was the cause of Hannah's father's death, as she said before that she needed to find a reason to get Hannah to fight, then Lucian found out where she was and sent one of uh, his men to hold her father hostage. This ended with her father dying and Hannah vowing revenge on Lucian. Uh, I actually subscribe to that belief. Uh, playing the game, Teresa is definitely one of those characters that, um, to, to put it in D&D terms, is true neutral. Um... It's about this entire campaign, this entire campaign, this entire <laughs> game is about what she wants, Teresa. It's interesting to see how it all unfolds, but I think Teresa is a good example of what true neutral is. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get what I want out of it. Yeah. So, and some might view that as evil, 
I think it's true neutral because evil and good. She does both evil and good. She saves you. So, uh, I don't know. I've yeah. always liked her as a character. Teresa tells the hero to seek out a powerful will user named Garth in his tower in Brightwood. The same man the hero saw leaving the castle the night his sister was killed by Lucian. Reaching Garth's tower, the hero is attacked by a shard, a magical floating piece of the spire that Lucian uses to teleport his men to where he needs them, and has to fight off Lucian's spire guards. At the top of the tower, the hero is blocked by fire and debris and can't reach Garth, who is taken prisoner by one of Lucian's more powerful men. Informed by Teresa that the winners of the Crucible, uh, which is a tournament going through eight rounds, uh, each with three waves, are invited to join Lucian's army in the Spire. It is decided the hero must win themselves um, in order to go to the Spire and rescue Garth. She also sends Hammer to help as the Westcliff path is infested with bandits. On the way to the arena, Hammer and the hero have a run-in with some Balverines and kill them, at which point Hannah points out all of the good they are doing, stating that she would, ha- she would pray for hours to the temple without it actually helping anyone, and that they just killed some Balverines and therefore made the path safer for everyone. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just funny. It's yeah. just like, we should fucking just killed people all along. Yeah. The, uh, ha- uh, Hammer is an interesting character. They're all interesting characters, actually. The, the reason I really wanted to do this is because I was reading... The reason I wanted to do Fable this week in general was because I was reading something about the, the final hero we'll talk about and going, God, I miss that character. What a fun character. Uh, and, uh, so, so they're all really interesting in their own right, but yeah, she, she's a, it's just a well-written game. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It's written like a, a really good D&D campaign. Yeah. Um, so. Reaching the Crucible, Hammer isn't allowed in due to her pointing out that one of the, uh, commentators, uh, names doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Things you need to realize about Fable is it, while parts of it are serious and the plot's seems so far serious the game's incredibly funny with some of the best comments i've ever heard in a game um and she literally isn't allowed in because she i forget the commentator's name it's been probably a decade since i've played this game at this point but um i forget the commentator's name but i remember him just going yeah you can't come in now (laughs) (laughs) just like you have to stay outside you're not allowed (laughs) yeah After beating the challenge, the hero departs for the Spire, leaving behind his dog and his equipment. On arriving at the Spire, the hero sees an older Lucian, who explains his plans of cleansing the world of its evil. Later, the hero meets the Commandant, the same man who kidnapped Garth in his tower, who explains how there is a collar around the hero's neck and that they will be tortured for disobeying him. He then tries to break the hero's will, hitting them and telling them to thank him for it. Later, the hero finds Garth, who says to be patient and wait for their chance. Ten whole years passed, and the spire has been almost completely rebuilt by Lucian's slaves. The hero, still trapped, is ordered to find a missing guard and soon finds the guard's corpse and takes his weapons. Garth appears and uses the last of his magic to remove the hero's collar, leaving the hero to do all the fighting. They make their way to the uh, commandant's chamber, where the hero kills him and lets Garth absorb all the released experience orbs, giving him back all his lost powers. Escaping from the spire, Teresa and the hero's dog meet them at the shore in Oak uh, Oak Field, and Teresa recruits Garth. 
After meeting Hammer, who is excited to see the hero after the ten long years, they head to the guild where Teresa tells them that the hero of skill is a pirate named Reaver, who resides in Bloodstone. On hearing this, Garth takes the other heroes to his tower, where he was working on a Cullis Gate. After fighting off a small army of Lucian's men, while Garth charges the portal, only the hero and the dog make it through to Wraithmarsh. Hammer and Garth are accidentally returned to the guild when the Cullis Gate malfunctions. Going through Wraithmarsh, Teresa explains how it used to be Oakvale, but over 100 years ago, one of the citizens made a deal with evil forces, and all the people living in the town had to pay the price. It is literally Wraithmarsh. It is a Oak, Oak, Oakvale, which was this picturesque little hamlet, uh, was turned into a swamp that is covered in undead. Nice. It's so cool. It's cool. That's where you fight banshees. They're really cool. Banshees. So is it like canonical that the hero from the first game made a bad choice or went evil? No, no, no. Keep reading. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I wish it was. It's uh, it. You're so separated from. It's 500 years different, so you're so separated from any decision you made that it's still a thing. The, there's very few characters that cross over between all three games. Uh, I think two. Two characters cross over from all three games. Uh, Teresa, obviously, and then another character we'll, we'll deal with. The hero finally makes it to Bloodstone and finds Reaver posing for a sculpture in his mansion. Reaver first dismisses the hero as he doesn't have enough renown, uh, locking the door behind them. If the player stays close to the door, he can hear the Reaver question the artist, you think my buttocks looks like that, at which point he shoots the artist. After returning to the Reaver, he sends the hero to return a seal to someone in the Shadow Court in Wraith Marsh. Finding the court, the hero learns that Reaver was behind the destruction of Oakvale all those years ago, having made a deal with the Shadows. In turn for agreeing to let them destroy Oakvale, the court says that as long as he continues to send them sacrifices to steal the, the, the youth form, um, who they will recognize by the seal he sends them with, they will transfer their youth to him, granting him immortality. That's oh. the other character, by the way. He's the only character. He, he crosses over from Fable 2 to Fable 3, and I bl it blew my mind when I saw Reaver in it. I was like, holy shit, I remember you! However, when the hero arrives, they discover that there is a young woman in the court's chamber who was teleported there by accident when she uh, read from an old book. The player decides whether to keep the seal, sacrifice the hero's youth, or give it to the young girl, allowing the court to steal her youth and the player to preserve their own. That's the other thing. There is an aging mechanic in this game, and it literally ages you like 10 years. Yeah. Like you, you become an old man. So if you care about your character's appearance, might as well give it to the little girl. No one's here to see your evil decision. You know? Just keep keep your your firm booty. Yeah, that's the thing with Fable. It's all about decisions. Like, there's a lot of different paths you can go down. A lot of good and evil decisions. Um, either way, the hero returns to Bloodstone, where Reaver is posing for a photo. Having just finished, Reaver shoots the photographer as he learns it will take three months for the picture to develop. Reaver also explains that he had heard Lucian had put a bounty on the hero's head, which he decided to accept. <laughs> it's, it's Reaver. Yeah. 
Lucian's men arrive and start destroying the town. One of Reaver's men informs him that Lucian is also after him. Realizing that he has been double-crossed while double-crossing the hero, Reaver uses his escape tunnel, leading the hero through the caves and fighting Lucian's men all along the way to his escape boat. Getting to the other end, they are met by Garth and Hammer, who Teresa has sent to wait there. Reaver tries to leave on his ship, which he named the Reaver, uh, claiming that he would have named it the Narcissa, but it had already been registered. <laughs> uh, but it is destroyed by a great shard, a larger and more powerful version of the normal shard. The heroes destroy it by defending Garth from spire guards while he weakens the shard with spells. Returning to Bower Lake, Teresa takes the four heroes to the top of Heroes Hill. She has them stand in precise locations in order to complete a ritual that will give the hero a weapon that will stop Lucian. When the ritual is complete, a huge blast goes off and all the heroes are temporarily weakened. The weapon still hasn't appeared and Teresa is gone. Lucian, however, appears with his men who kidnap the three other heroes. Lucian stays behind with the hero and the dog and he pulls a gun on the hero saying that the last time I I killed you, it tore my heart out. Lucian then fires only for the hero's dog to blot the shop by jumping in the way, killing him. Hey, no. (laughs) Rip everyone's heart. You have to hear how loud 15-year-old Josh yelled at that point. It was incredible. I can only imagine. Uh, Unfazed by the heroic gesture, Lucian reloads his gun and shoots the hero in the head. The hero is woken up by his sister Rose and finds that he or she is a child again. The hero spends all day playing with his or her older sister on their farm home. Going to sleep at the end of the day, the hero is woken up by music coming from beyond the gate. Rose encourages him or her to go back to sleep. However, the hero runs out the door and through the gate. As Rose screams from far behind, the heroes run down a path filled with dead corpses. At the end of which, they find the music box that the children had bought from Murgo. There, the hero is shown his or herself as they changed through their journey, from child to teenager to spire guard to their self now. Teresa informs the hero that they have the weapon that they need, and all of a sudden the hero is transported to the spire, where here she finds Lucian draining the energy out of Hammer, Garth, and Reaver, and about to make his wish. Revealing the music box, all of the energy is drained out of Lucian, who tries to convince the hero that he was only trying to save the world from all evil. As he talks on, the player can kill him with whatever they want. However, if they wait too long, then Reaver will regain consciousness and shoot Lucian, thereby robbing the hero of their vengeance, at which point he says, sorry, did you want to kill him? Yeah, I wanted to hear the whole monologue, and then Reaver, in the middle of the monologue, boom! Sorry, did you want to kill him? <laughs> I was like, dickhead. Dickhead. <laughs> I was listening to Lowe. Reaver, Reaver is the epitome of a dickhead in a video game. He literally took like the most satisfying part away from players. It's great. It's I love this character. Either way, Lucian dies, and Teresa appears in front of the heroes, revealing that the Spire can still grant a wish. She gives the player three choices. Sacrifice. All of the people who died in the Spire's making will be brought back to life, but the hero loses the chance of seeing their family ever again. Love. The hero's sister, dog, and family will be brought back to life, but their lives come at the cost of the countless innocents who died in building the Spire. Or Wealth. 
The hero will receive more gold than they could possibly imagine to spend on whatever they want, but any they loved and all of the Spire's prisoners will remain dead. The player can then decide what the hero's wish is. Now, we're going to stop there. Um, because the post game with wealth is amazing because you have like 20 million gold. <laughs> but if you don't pick love, you're the monster. I don't care about this fucking selfless shit, this sacrificial shit. Don't help no one. If you don't pick love and get your dog back, you're the monster. That dog fucking took a bullet for you. You ain't going to bring him back. Exactly. You're the monster. Um, Teresa explains that from that room uh, of the, uh, Teresa explains that from that room of the spire, she can teleport them anywhere and offers to send the other heroes wherever they want. Garth wishes to return to his homeland of Smarkhand, which Reaver tagged along to find some exotic substances in uninhibited people, though Garth insists that it is nothing like that. Hammer explains that she is still fond of fighting, but has grown tired of killing things, and thus asks to be sent north to study with the warrior monks she had heard about who fight as a means to enlightenment rather than for killing. She, ad she admits that there is nothing left for her in this land, but that she will be leaving behind her best friend. With all of the other heroes gone, Teresa tells the hero that the world is theirs to enjoy, but that the spire is hers. From there, she teleports the hero out of the spire and severs all communication with them. Again, epitome of true neutral. Yeah. She's one of the spire. She, the quote is literally, uh, the world is yours to explore, but the spire is mine. And then teleports you away. I was like, whoa, what are you doing? Shit. Epitome of true neutral. That's why I love Teresa. Depending on the player's choice, the hero receives a letter from the people of Albion, a letter from Rose, or a letter from Teresa explaining how their decision affects the people involved. Uh, anyway, Fable's great. If you got the chance to play Fable 2, I recommend it because it's amazing. Um, but I, I doubt they're ever going to make a HD collection of the Fable games. Probably not. But, God, I wish they would. Uh, at least of Fable 1 and 2 because they're great games. Fable 3 is about half great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great until, until literally halfway through and then it just becomes a slog. Um, so that's all I got on Fable. Uh... Like we like to end every episode, Nick, what have you been playing? Been playing a bunch of Dead Cells. Yeah, you like it still. I still like I still really like it. Um I got past the part I was stuck on. I was stuck on this part where I was trying to get a so the the game has uh runes you can collect. So there's like stages um that you can go through. Like you start out in the prison, um, and you can go to like the toxic sewers or um some other place. Uh, and but you can only go to the toxic sewers if you have like the vine rune, which makes a vine you could climb up, and you have to go to the other path to get that rune, and then like like it just unlocks paths. Yeah, so it's, it's to... like Metroidvanias do. Yeah, so I was trying to get the the ram rune, which allows you to slam on the ground and like break the ground. Um, and I would always just you have to to get the runes, you have to fight what's called an elite, which is just like a harder, it's like a mini boss. Uh, and I would always die at the mini boss because the this specific mini boss is a fucking bitch because it it hits you and like stun locks you for like a combo and does a fuck ton of damage and you're locked in a room with spikes everywhere so it'll like hit you into spikes and stun lock you and you're just fucking dead if you're not careful so i just kept dying at it and then 
uh, it's roguelike, so you die, you start back at the beginning. Yeah. So there's like this kind of like, I was kind of get a little tiresome from like going through the beginning a lot. Um, uh, cause it was very repetitive, even, even though the maps are random, uh, it was, it was feeling very repetitive, but I finally beat that and then went on and beat like the first boss. Nice. And got a bunch of shit. Um, but yeah, this is, game's pretty funny. There's a, there's a weapon that's, uh, called the Spartan Sandals <laughs> and literally all you do is you just kick shit. Oh my God. That's great. Um, and if you kick something into a wall, it does more damage. Oh, that's awesome. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah. I've been thinking about picking it up. It's not really that expensive, but I, I'm not super into Metroidvanias. So yeah. it's one of those things where like it looks really fun, and I think I'll still kind of like it, but I'll probably give up playing halfway through. And I don't feel like wasting my money on a game that I'll give up playing halfway through. Right, I feel that. Uh, I was reading. I haven't seen a lot of them yet, but I was I was reading a, an article about all the, the Easter eggs in the game, and there's a fucking lot to like other games. Like there's a there's a castle level that has just paintings on the wall, and a lot of the paintings have like. References to other shit. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure there's Castlevania. Well, yeah, there's yeah. there's like I think there's a, a portrait of Alucard. Um, there's a portrait of Solaire. There's a portrait of the bonfire. There's an actual bonfire somewhere. Oh, that's awesome. Um, there's a portrait of uh, dueling peaks with a broken guardian. Oh yeah. Um, what the fuck else? I think there's a dead Nathan Drake corpse somewhere. Oh, that's so cool. It's just like. Like a lot of homage to like different games. Uh, there's a picture. There's a an area somewhere where there's like a like a table with like kind of like chemist stuff, and then there's like bugs like framed all over the wall, and then there's one in the middle that's just Hollow Knight. Oh uh, yeah, I like that. Um, so yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to keep an eye out for some of the Easter egg YouTubers I follow on releasing one. It'd be cool to see some all of them. Yeah. Um. And then other than that, I'm playing Pokemon Go. Uh, we are, at the time of this recording, in the middle of Johto Fest. Um, they released the quests for Celebi uh, at the beginning of this week, and at the same time boosted or started Johto Fest for a week, um, which boosts Johto spawns and gives uh, Johto-based quests. And uh, added new shinies. They added Pineco, um, Sunkern, and uh, Natu. Um, and I somehow managed to get a Pineco. Hey, good for you. Um, yeah. So the Selby quests, um, we, the internet has collectively figured out up to step six out of eight. Uh, and step eight is going to be catch Celebi, um, or that's what we think because that's what it was from you. Um, but yeah, and uh, they're not they're not nearly as bad as some of the ones for the Mew quest. Um, but we're waiting on step seven because there's a step in six that you have to spin a Pokestop seven days in a row. So we <laughs> kind of have to wait a week. And then uh, they just announced that Entei is the field research for next month. Yeah. yeah. So that's exciting. Uh, I have been playing Skyrim again. Uh, for like the billionth time, I'm doing a full vampire playthrough and having a fucking blast. Except I can't get my last vampire lord port perk, and I don't know why. And if any of you knows how, because I tried googling it, obviously, because it's the first thing I do, because I'm a millennial. If any of you knows how to get the uh, final vampire perk and can tell me in 140 characters or less, please tweet at us. Uh, I would really, really like to be a full, have all the powers of a vampire lord, but I'm, I'm getting triggered. Um, I also did a weird thing, uh, 
our our friend and a friend of the show, uh, shout out to Casey, came over the other day and I bought the, we, we Casey and I have this long kind of standing tradition of playing Minecraft together. Um, we, we've just like every now and then I'll sit down for six hours and play Minecraft. It's whatever. It's fun. I, it's just like a thing Casey and I have done for eight years now. So we are playing it right now on my PlayStation, and I downloaded the uh, Norse pack, which added a bunch of new skins and stuff, so I'm running around as Minecraft Odin. But the big thing for me is it adds a full map for survival, where, like, you can climb Yagdrasil. Casey stood on the head of Surtur. That's fucking dope. I, like, we've been, we have been to Asgard. Because, like, it's so cool, Nick. It's, yeah. like, unbelievably cool. Yeah, that's really dope. Like, it, we, we've explored, uh, supposedly in the flavor text for it, it says you can visit all nine realms. Casey and I have been to Asgard, uh, Muspelheim, and uh, Alfsheim. So we still have a bunch more to do. I can't wait to go to Niflheim. Yeah, dude. Because I, I can't wait to see what the Frost Giants look like. Yeah, that's fucking dope. It's, Holy shit. So cool. Like if you look it up, like the the splash art for it has Surtur in it. Like it's so cool. Like we we climbed um the world serpent. Oof. Like it's because like it's all like normally Minecraft maps are pre-made. Or not pre-made, they're randomly made. This is a pre-made one. So like we're just like it's a Minecraft survival in this world. And, and it's great. It, it's Probably the most fun I've had with Minecraft in years. Yeah, it sounds really fucking dope. Yeah, and they have a bunch of them. So I'm thinking that like when Casey and I finish playing the Norse one, I could go, just do the Greek one and climb Mount Olympus next. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. They're only like six bucks, too. It's six bucks. You get a bunch of skins with it if you care about Minecraft skins. But the big thing is it's hours of entertainment in this world. Yeah. It's so fun. And like, it's survival. But, like, we went to Asgard first because we, we spawned in, like, a Nordic village, looked, and we saw Yggdrasil, and we went, holy shit, we're going there. <laughs> so we, we, we went up the tree and, like, immediately went to Asgard where we looted the fuck out of Asgard. We have so much gear and so much food just because of Asgard. That's dope. It, it's, like... So, like, we were like, okay, cool, don't give a fuck. We're not really going to have a problem. If we die, it's a problem. But, like, we're not going to die from starvation or from not having gear and stuff. Perfect. This is great. And now we can just go explore. Yeah. And so I'm running around as Odin, obviously, because anything I can be Odin in, I will, because Odin is uh, my kindred god. And um, Casey's playing as the Fenris wolf. Nice. So It's just so dope. Yeah. Like they and they have like some deep cut lore. They have uh, Ratataskor, which is the uh, squirrel that climbs the world tree and delivers oh, yeah, yeah, messages. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's for all intents and purposes the Hermy of Hermes of the Norse gods. Uh, it's so cool. Like that's just one of the skins. Is like the squirrel. I was like, that's dope. Yeah, dude. It's so fun. We only got a, we only played for a couple hours, but I was like, this is way more fun than it has the right to be. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like. So, yeah, uh, we've been playing that, and I have no, absolutely no regrets about it. Um, yeah, that sounds fucking Like, I, I found Viking longships just, like, in a basin. I was like, oh, 
my god, this is so cool. So anyway, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that. I can't wait uh to uh play it again. Um yeah, that's all I've been playing though. Um in D D corner, uh there isn't any. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right. Uh Nick couldn't make it, uh and uh which is fine. If Nick couldn't make it, my rule is one person can't make it, whatever. But we had someone else fall sick. Um, so she was sick, and then I just didn't feel like fucking playing, which is a weird sentence for me to say, because I always feel like playing D&D, but yesterday sucked. Um, yeah, so, uh, so, <laughs> so we're going to go to everybody's favorite segment, uh, questions from Twitter that we've never done before, uh, and Josh is going to find out right now. Because he knows that I don't look at our Twitter Every, ever. Everybody's favorite segment. Uh, so we got a question, and I figured since we don't have D&D, we'll just fill in that yeah. gap. Um... What are your what are some of your guys' favorite systems and games on those systems that make them your favorites? Ooh. Um, well Josh thinks I'll start. Um I mean I feel like right now I've All we play is our Switch. All I play is my Switch. I haven't touched my PlayStation since I finished God of War. So whenever that came out. Um and I'm not gonna touch it again until Spider Man comes out. And then I'm gonna play Spider Man and promptly go back to my Switch. Um but the recency bias aside in that, um, I played my PS2 a lot as a kid. Um, more specifically, I played uh, Battlefront 1 and 2 a lot and Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 a lot. Fuck yeah. So I'd say the PS2 is a big, big part of me because I played uh, the Battlefronts a lot, especially with my brother. And uh, just f- fucking the a million times I ran through Kingdom Hearts 2. So- well, let me tell you something about... Uh, there's a YouTuber named Nakey Jakey who oh, who is fucking great. Thank you for fucking, showing me him. Yeah, he's fucking great. Did you see his video on split screen? Split uh, screen co-op. Yes. It's it sums up what it was like to do split screen co-op in our adolescence. Yeah. It, it really does. Calling him a. He, I remember him saying at one point, um, "I got to call my brother a stinky boy and <laughs> person." Like, something like that, and I was like, yeah, no, that was things we did. We got into fights because yeah. of fucking... He just, like, perfectly describes, like, Battlefront, yeah. It was great. Um, and then, when I wasn't using my PS2, I was heavily uh, into the Nintendo handheld systems. So I got a... I started with my Game Boy Color, and then I got a... Uh, a advanced SP... And then a DS, and then my 3DS, and my new 3DS. So I played a lot, fucking a lot, a lot of Pokemon. I don't know how many times I ran through fucking Sapphire. Uh, and it's probably why, like, Mudkip's one of my favorite starters, and Kyogre's one of my favorite legends. But, like, Poke- that's why I'm so much into, uh, so big into Pokemon, because I played handheld games a lot, whether it was, like, in the car, or, you know, I have to, my mom's working at the salon, but I need to go with her because I'm a young little boy and I can't be left alone at home, so I'm going to go sit in the corner and play on my Game Boy. Um, so yeah, I'd say any of the Nintendo handhelds, I'd use the fuck out of them, and more, most specifically Pokemon. Okay, we're going to go from uh, oldest to newest with there being a recency bias because we can't help but say... A gush over our love for the Switch. Oh yeah, you, I think I think if, if you like, don't believe us, watch our 2017 recap episode where we just spent 30 minutes talking about how great the Switch is. That's gonna happen this year too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, is. I think if like the if I had this like 
when I was a kid, I would be saying this yeah. even without recent. Like in a couple Agreed. years, I'm gonna look back and be like, yeah, that that was an amazing system. I really like the switch. Yeah, but let, let's go from oldest to newest, going through consoles and uh, games for each. So there was the Super Nintendo, uh, which I can't ignore. It was one of the first consoles I owned. Uh, it's what I played Earthbound on, uh, which if you know me personally uh, or you've listened to our episode, Earthbound is one of my favorite games of all time. I plan on getting an Earthbound tattoo. I also plan on buying a box copy someday. I almost bought one the other day. <laughs> I just didn't feel like dropping 300 bucks on it. But um, the, the franchise, the mother franchise I've played every game in multiple times uh there's really no reason to play mother one if you want to get interested in it uh but uh i have played it um so and then there was star fox in the super nintendo which i still own a copy of star fox somewhere in this basement um next up was the uh ps2 which i played a fuckload of but i played different games uh the game i have probably the fondest memories of playing on the ps2 is champions of norath and the sequel champions of norath 2 which were top-down RPGs uh, set in the style of EverQuest because they were made by the same developer. But I remember running around as a dark elf necromancer in that and loving the hell out of it. Uh, next up is the Xbox 360, which is probably the console I've played the most on. Um, just overall, like the game we just talked about today, Xbox 360. But uh, I probably have the fondest memories of Halo 3 on that. Because if you listen to our Halo episode, uh, Halo 3 is great. Um, I think to this day, Halo 3 is a good game. Uh, then we have the PS4, which has my favorite game of all time on it. The Witcher 3, which we can't ignore. And then uh, the Switch. And which, Bloodborne. And Bloodborne on that, yeah. That's the PS4. Believe it or not, I didn't get into Soulsborne games until like after college. Like I, I started playing them maybe towards the end of college. I think on my roommate's PC at the time uh, that he left in our living room. Like we had a full-blown gaming PC hooked up to the TV in our living room. And I think that's what I played Dark Souls on for the first time and fell in love. So the PS4 had was my introduction to Soulsborne. My PS, like, you can watch me grow up through fantasy as we just fucking play through this shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then now I have my Switch, which it has Splatoon on it. It has Skyrim on it. Uh, which I know that came out and all the way back in fucking eleven years ago now. Uh, fucking something like that. Yeah, it's but it still holds up. It's still a good game. Yeah. Uh, and then it's got uh, original games like Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, which are all fucking amazing games. But yeah, so I don't know if we narrowed it down. If I needed to narrow down a console and a game uh, pairing, I guess. Uh, because I don't think that the I don't think I loved Halo Three more than Earthbound, but if I had to do a pairing, three sixty Halo Three. Yeah, if I if I had to do a pairing, it would probably be PS Two Kingdom Hearts Two, um, just because it'd be that or Game Boy Advanced Sat Pokemon Sapphire. Yeah, it's probably the things I spent the most time on. But uh, yeah, ask us more questions. If you ask us more questions, we'll answer them. Yeah. Isn't that weird? We'll, we'll <laughs> we will answer your questions. Yeah, we, we love this kind of stuff. It gives us more content, uh, which I love. Yeah. And uh, it's I'm just sure. interesting to see what you guys want to ask us. So yeah, please, by all means, if you have a question to ask us, whether it has anything to do with video games, uh, has anything to do with anything we've ever talked about, anything we haven't talked about, if it has to be why our accents are weird, 
Yeah, it doesn't have to be about video games. Yeah, like, if you want to be like, why does Josh talk that way? It's because I'm from upstate New York, and then I moved to Rhode Island at a developmental age, and so now I have a fucked up accent. Oh, and my parents have really bad Massachusetts accents. So, like, my mom's New Bedford accent is so bad sometimes. So anyway, I talk weird because I have a mixture of weird New England accents in me. So, that is a question you don't have to ask anymore, but if you have anything along those lines, <laughs> by all means, ask them. Check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales. Again, check us out at Navi underscore Tales. Send us pictures of your questions. You can write them down on a piece of paper, take a picture, and send it to us if keyboards scare you like they do me. <laughs> hey, uh, they're scared. They clickety-clack. Yeah, the clickety-clack into my sack. It scares me. Get in the night. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, until next time, we will see you then. See ya. Love you. Simultaneously trapping Jack of Blades and preventing the hero from destroying him forever. The hero... <clears throat> from this point... Mm, mm, that breath felt funny. <laughs> Teresa gives the hero some items and a guild seed, a seal. Hmm, fuck me. Okay. Ah. Uh, probably should be sent him to the tomb in the middle of the lake. You don't know their pronouns. Are you right? Oh, yeah, because they could be boy or girl. Well, and it's them because it's the hero and the dog. Oh. <laughs> The dog is with you the entire campaign. Oh. Like, you, you literally can't... It's not like Fallout or Skyrim where you can be like, go away. Like, no. the dog's just there, and he's super helpful. Like, it's... He... There is no downside to having this dog with you. I feel like video games need more dogs. Yeah, but, like, dogs that aren't... Useless. Useless. Like, the dog can't die, so I'm not spending the entire time worrying about dog meat dying. Yeah. Like, it, it's things like that. Like, the, this dog just helps. Just hangs out and helps. Like, when you're running, he runs alongside you and stuff. It's adorable. I love the dog in, in uh, Fable. He tells the hero that, um, okay, I already fucked that up. They make their way to, uh, Commandant's champ Champer. Yeah. Returning to Bower Lake, Teresa, uh, returning to Bower, Bower. Bowser. Bowser Lake. Bowser. When the witcher, witcher gate. As Rose screams from far behind, the hero runs down a path filled with dead corpses, at the end of which they find the music box that the children had brought from, uh, had, mm.